Hi, I'm Jack Griffin. And I'm David Peters. Welcome to Gap Chat, where we interview our fellow gappers about how they are taking charge of their year. Jack and I are both taking this year off before joining Harvard's class of 2025. And we started this podcast to get to know our future classmates and to provide real gap year stories for students considering taking a gap year. Join us as we meet amazing gappers who are pursuing a passion project, making an impact in their community, or taking a breather. And now it's time to welcome Gap Chat's first guest, Dhruv Singh. Dhruv is a fellow Harvard gapper who is working with government officials to improve COVID contact tracing in his community. Hi, Dhruv. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Hey, we are very honored to have you here, Dhruv. Tell us a little bit about yourself. My name is Drew. I currently live in Bacolod City in the Philippines, but I am actually not ethnically Filipino. My parents, my father actually immigrated to the Philippines from India when he was 15 years old, and he's been here since. My parents also got married in the Philippines. So we've basically, I've, I was born and raised in this country, but I went to India for school. I was actually in school in India, and then everything happened, and then I had to come back home here. It's, it's the first time I'm back at home for like a very long time, for a sustained period of time. That's so cool. I, I went to a boarding school in America, so I know a little bit about what that's like. Do you still feel like Philippines is your home? It's it's such a difficult question to ask because like, like even though I grew up in the Philippines, I look nothing like it, it's there's this like racial connotations and stereotypes and prefaces and whatever. So even though like, I speak the language at a bilingual level, People will always be shocked whenever I speak it. They're like, oh, how, 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 how do I connect these two places? It, but then I, I really love the Philippines because I like I grew up here and I I just love the culture here. But at the same time, I love India as well. So I don't I don't know what which to call my home. Hey, you can call them both your home. That's totally fine with us. Yeah. I was just asking because I know your gap year project this year is actually working to help out your community. Would you mind telling us a little more about it? Yeah, so just to give you guys a little more context, out of all of the countries in the world, I think the Philippines has had the wor- one of the worst responses to the pandemic. This is because since March, most of the country is technically still in quarantine or in lockdown. Mm-hmm. And that proves as a testament, not to the fact that they've handled it well, is that they don't know what to do with it so that they just keep people in lockdowns. Mm-hmm. And through this rapidly unsustainable political tactic and public health response, I've seen a lot of my city, which is like, I live in the capital of my island, which is supposed to be like economic powerhouse of the island. And I've seen firsthand how everything has been devastated. Mm-hmm. Shops have been killed. And I've seen just like how how furious and infuriated people are because of the way that lockdowns were handled and everything. So that really got me thinking, why, why is it so bad in the first place? And then I realized it's because the mechanisms in which we were doing these public health measures, like contact tracing, were simply too outdated, even till now. So people still do manual contact tracing. I, if somebody gets infected, I call him up, I, oh, who did you meet, blah, blah, blah. Like this, model, this model makes a little more sense if you're like early stage pandemic and you don't have like one or two cases, like South Korea, for example. Right. But once you scale it up mid-sized pandemic, it's useless. And that's where... I was really trying to find some sort of app because I, I wanted a digital solution because I was just so sick of this like 90s tactic <laughs> to uh, pandemic response. And that, that's where I came across uh, 
this this service called Novid. I actually came across it because some Harvard kid posted it on his story because they were using it at Harvard. And I actually applied to be one of the ambassadors for Novid. But then they thought that I was applying to be an ambassador on Harvard campus when really I was doing it internationally. And that I, I don't think that thought came across their head. Like this kid wants to bring it outside the US because Novid's still very new. Like it's only been deployed in Saudi Arabia. And actually, like, I'll give you a little more. Like next week, it's probably going to deploy here as well. But I'll give you a little more insight on that and the struggles for that. But it's it was like really, really new. And yeah. Okay, I've heard a little bit about Novid. I've heard it's a very precise contact tracing app that can alert users about their potential exposure to COVID-19. Would you mind telling us a little bit more about that? Yeah, it's really cool in the sense like, if I had to explain it in the simplest of terms, think of it as a radar for COVID-19. Through analyzing your degree of connectivity to other people, you get to have a forecasting model with how close the virus is to you personally. And as you see, like a radar, the threat of the virus coming closer and closer to you, that makes you treat it more seriously, which is a huge issue around the world is but because the people can't visualize how close this unseen enemy is to them on a personal basis. Mm-hmm. And what this does is that it fundamentally changes how lockdowns are conducted. No longer will governments have to impose a lockdown because people will do it themselves. Mm. Does that make sense? Because it, it's a it's a target at their behavior and their fear for their own lives. Novid is no altruistic measure. It's a basic principle that humans fear for their own lives. So that's that's the fundamental truth in which the the app operates. It flips the entire system. And it's really, really cool. <laughs> yeah, I really like that because I'll say like for my year, I've been working at Lowe's and a lot of the people there will wear a mask because they're supposed to. But for a lot of people, COVID is a very invisible threat. So I like this idea of Novid because then it gives them a tool to understand COVID's effect and that if they're able to visualize it, they have a little more of a handle on what's going on. So you said that uh, they're going to be implementing it into the Philippines coming next week. Does that mean that you have already convinced some of your community members to download it? Yeah, so uh, I can tell you, I can tell you the, the the entire like uh, struggle of getting this on board because I have been actually working this, on this since like August or something. So it's been like a uh, good four four months or something. Wow. And initially, I like I was very new to the entire political atmosphere here. So I in the first couple of months, I was just going in circles with politicians, like telling me to meet this person and meet this person again, and just kept cycling and cycling and cycling. And then it was it was really eye-opening for me because like I saw that my city, which is supposed to be the, again, the capital economic powerhouse of the island, the most resources, so inhibitive to any sort of new mechanism. I, I actually went and presented to the task force here, which was itself a big, big step. Like I presented to them twice and they still couldn't listen to me. So I was like, screw this. I'll try to target towns around my city instead. And if I get those towns using that system, it's like uh, it's like the Facebook tactic, right? When you have <laughs> a university that doesn't want to use Facebook, you get all of the other schools around them, and then that university will end up using Facebook. <laughs> That's what Zuckerberg did, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like sieging a battle fortress. Exactly. Through that, I was actually I managed to get a hold of uh, a mayor a mayor of a smaller town in the mountains, slightly a lot more remote. He was sold on the idea that we have a proactive model to handling any sort of pandemic. And next week, officially, they have signed the papers 
we are deploying next week. Congrats. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, your plan seems to be working out pretty well. I mean, we're barely halfway through the gap year, and it sounds like you're taking some serious steps. I, I mean, like, I have a lot of free time. <laughs> it's like whenever I'm not watching anime or, or watching anything on Netflix, I, I'm, I'm doing this. <laughs> I am totally with you. My friends just let me use their Hulu account, and I am already halfway through Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Rick and Morty. Okay, Brooklyn Nine-Nine is amazing. That that saved me through the early pandemic. I think. <laughs> <laughs> but back to your incredible work. What drove you to this idea at first? Is this something that you want to pursue further on in life? Yeah, so I think like I was looking at the ways that I could help. That that was one thing that uh, really motivated me was how how can I help the people here in the best way possible for, for in in relation to COVID. The idea of being a pioneer in the Philippines as well, because nobody else. This is again second deployment in the world, and to me that that really was interesting, and it got that sort of thing really motivated me. I kept on persevering because, like, for me, when when I'm when I'm interested in something, when I really want to do something, I just can't stop thinking about it. That's just how my brain is wired, and it was how it was in high school as well for me, and it, it was too good of an opportunity to pass on. Yeah, that's, that's great to hear. I mean, you've had so many challenges coming to this year. Um, you've taken it all in stride and you're really doing something this year. So I'm really glad that you chose to share it with us. So thank you. Yeah, the satisfaction and gratitude lies in the fact that I'm actively trying to do something, even if I'm getting rejected and even if nothing escalates or and nothing improves to me, the fact that I'm getting my hands in the water is is good enough for me. So what are you going to study? Because this has like seven different reasons why you're passionate about it. What are you interested in doing once we have to go back to real life? So that's like my my worst, uh, most dreaded question that I have to answer. Because <laughs> like some days I was like, oh, I want to do math. Oh, I have to study calculus. I want to do this network stuff. And the other days I'm like, maybe I should study government. Maybe I should study economics. I, I really, I have, I have no clue. But in the general space that I want to work in is somewhere within basically getting stuff done. I, I want to study something that enable me to get stuff done. So you came up with this amazing thing to put your heart into during your gap year. But can we hear a little about your decision to take a gap year in the first place? Sort of when did you make that decision and why and what was that like for you? Yeah, so uh, before before I answer that, I, let me just admit something to you guys. Like outside the US, gap years are they're not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> they're just like no no. I was telling my parents like I, mom and dad, I think I want to take a year off. They're like, are you just gonna sit here doing nothing <laughs> the entire year? Oh my gosh, you're gonna graduate at twenty three years old instead of twenty two years old. Your life's over. Yeah. So the main reason why I chose it was because first, primarily because for international students, the fact that the U.S. government was like, we can't allow any of you guys to come here. And the fact that Harvard wasn't willing to provide one in-person class to satisfy visa requirements, like for us to study there on campus, that that to me was just a killer because I can't, I can't like screw up my entire sleeping cycle, my entire lifestyle to give to basically have a year of uh, YouTube class yeah. lessons and uh, Coursera classes. Yeah, that's just what I thought. 
So Drew, sort of to close us out, I want to ask you um, if you have any advice you'd like to share with other current gappers or people in the future, maybe considering a gap year. Yeah. So for me, the number one lesson is that structure is pointless. <laughs> so uh, the, you can you can plan on, <laughs> you can plan out as much of your gap year as you want. You can say, oh my goodness, I'm going to complete three of these online courses, and then I'm going to do it by December, and I'm just going to be such a like fast-paced or whatever it's just it won't happen <laughs> and so you don't need to feel pressured to achieve anything grand when I, when I started this Nova thing I never expected it to even get like implemented in one one place because I knew like maybe the people here aren't aren't very uh, open to this sort of thing but there's a lot of value in just getting yourself in the water and understanding how things work the entire year is just supposed to be educational right and so for us we need to try to seek out as much of that education as possible. And it manifests itself primarily through struggles. That's what I, that's what I realized. That is a great piece of advice. And I think I might have to take that in the coming months. So thank you for that. Cause I've definitely struggled with that. All you youngins out there. I hope you're listening to Droob. <laughs> thank you. It's, it's, it's a little like, I don't know. To me, it's also like me pressurizing myself to do something, which is just like, Again, this is my toxic, like I define my worth by what I do sort of mentality, but like, <laughs> but try to strive away from that sort of mindset. Just go go with things with an open mind. That's the best thing you can do. All right. Well, thank you so much, Droob, for joining us. Thank you, Droob. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much, Drew, for joining us today. And thank you all for listening to the first episode of Gap Chat. This episode was made possible by the 37 cents in loose change that I found between my parents' couch cushions. As always, I'm Jack Griffin. And I'm David Peters. Stay tuned for more episodes releasing soon.